So we're back. Um, we uh, used the restroom, got a drink of water, and uh, now we're here to talk a little bit about our what well, we ended on our first segment, which was uh, uh, inorganic and right going to organic. organic. How, how did that happen? Okay. That's kind of a that's kind of an unusual uh, uh, phenomena, if you will. We've we've never seen it happen. Okay, so for the lay people such as myself, Ash, what is What's the difference between an inorganic substance and an organic substance? So inorganic means not not alive, essentially. Uh, right. uh, rocks. Um, and it costs more at the grocery store. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I uh, those non-GMO things. Yeah, I don't yeah, even know yeah. what that means, right? Yeah. It just means more money. Um, so there's there's a theory or part of the evolutionary theory says there we had to get something or, in other words, something living. Right. From, from nothing uh, or, right. or some materials out there that weren't living. Right. Exactly. So stardust uh, and all of a sudden now we have simple proteins. We have uh, we have amino acids that just showed up one day. What a what a what a phenomenal day that right. was. And we're going to we're going to hear that those proteins or those the DNA basically is very complex. Right. But you had Extremely a you had a quote, didn't you, that you wanted to I did. share with us? I did. It's kind of something I, I a thought A quote of, from Ash. A quote from Ash, which is, you know, I've been quoted a lot of times, and I've been misquoted too a lot of times. But uh, <laughs> uh, the funny thing is, even if we could fabricate a cell in a lab, it would prove that it requires perfect conditions and intelligent design to do so. And so, Matt, you, you said you had a little article here from the, the, the Telegraph? Yes, the Telegraph. And it caught my attention because it says that scientist Craig Venter creates life for the first time in laboratories, sparking debate about playing God. Okay. So I just, you mentioned having the perfect conditions, or in this case, it's going to be the perfect environment in a laboratory. Right. So they can. A created setting. A, a, yes, a designed facility. So just listen to some of the the points that come out of this article of, does this sound like this just randomly happened? Even just to get, as we'll see, a basic uh, substance that they could say is living. Right. Okay. Okay. So Dr. Craig Venter, first of all, he's a, a multimillionaire and he used a lot of that money. I think it says 30 million pounds, which I'm not sure about what 40 that, million bucks. Is that about $40 yeah. million? Dollars. Yeah. And uh, they took this chromosome uh, artificial data and modified it mm. and put it into uh, some of the simplest bacteria. Okay. Um, so they already had the bacteria. Yeah. And of oh, course they okay. needed technology okay. to do that. Right. Right. Um, and so he, he nicknamed it Cynthia because it's synthetic. Uh, I think uh, uh, synthetic material. <laughs> clever. But long story short, he has a whole team to do this. He spent millions of dollars, a laboratory, and it took them, get this, how long do you think it took them to come up with this material? Six months. Six months? Now, that, that's a lot A lot of work, right? right that's, that's a lot of time. Yeah, that's a lot of time. This took 15 years <laughs> okay. to create this uh, simple, I guess, uh, synthetic cell. Now, this cell... That's not bad if you're talking about four billion years. <laughs> well, listen to this quote from the, the doctor himself. He says... This becomes a very powerful tool, being uh, the synthetic cell they made. This becomes a very powerful tool for trying to design what we want biology to do. Hmm. What? Hmm. Design. What? Okay. And then, um, so, 
I know you've studied into this too, Ash, but just play along and humor me. Okay. How many genes do you think are in a human genome? Let's say 3,000. Okay. That, that sounds like a lot to me. Right. Uh, I would have guessed probably around 1,000 before reading this article. And then within a genome, there are obviously the genes, but there's base pairs. Okay. okay. So what they created in this laboratory had 485 genes okay. and a million base pairs. A million. I was just a right. little off. Okay. Now, a human genome has 20,000 genes. <laughs> okay. And 3 billion base pairs. Oh. Okay. So, okay. so you have something uh, way more complex to get to. Now, um, they, they also had to use uh, an understanding of biology to, to go about this, but it says scientists' understanding of biology falls far short of their technical capabilities. Right. We have already learned to our cost the risk that GAP brings for the environment, animal welfare, and human health. Right. So the, the other part of the title of the article said, what about this playing God aspect? Okay. And I, I would like for us to eventually in one of our episodes get into the ethical implications of science and why, it, for me, as I've studied evolution, why does it bother some scientists about these ethical situations right. if we're just um, evolved animals? animals? <laughs> right. why, why don't we play with those kinds of things? You know, they... They still test on animals in laboratories. Sure. What's the big deal about testing on humans and, and manipulating genes? And anyways, there was concern even in the uh, science world what this guy was doing because of that. So understandably so. Yeah, understandably so. So I have a couple quotes here uh, that we're kind of going to go over here on this in this uh, episode, and uh, they're they're by famous scientists, uh, president actually, and some other um, uh, famous folks that that have. Quoted science and and people um, probably at least as intelligent as us. Yes, let's, let's at, just at the very least, at the <laughs> very very least. So Niels Bohr, who who came up with the uh, Bohr, Bohr model, the Bohr model, right? Exactly. And so anybody that's taken chemistry and, and physics clearly know about him. Um, and so he 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 has an interesting uh, quote here. It okay. says about describing atomic models in the language of classical physics. Right. So he says we must. Be clear that when it comes to atoms, language can be used only as in poetry. The poet, too, is not nearly so concerned with describing facts as with creating images and establishing mental connections. Right. And so when we look at atoms, how cool is it? You know, we have a, we have a proton, a neutron, and an electron, right? And the, the proton and neutron make the nucleus of the atom. Okay? Sure, sure. And the electrons flying around, right, around, the, around, these, around these particles. But what's what's so uh, interesting to me is that the neutron and proton are so much bigger than the electron, right? Physically okay. bigger, yet they have the same charge. Okay, and so they're they're equal to each other. So so it, it, when you say their sizes, that their mass yeah, is right, different, right? Exactly, but they're equal in charge. Equal in charge, amazing. So it, it is phenomenal. It's almost like it's been designed that way. Um, when, when we when the more technology that we get. And the more we understand at the micro level uh, and we understand uh, how genes work and how the DNA works in, in the uh, helix, um, we, we understand 
so much more about it now well, that it's it's impossible to say that right. listen this wasn't designed this wasn't this just 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 happened because n- nowhere has any of this just happened as as the article you pointed out Matt uh, they had to do all this uh, stuff all this work all this design just to get to the point where they even could make one synthetic cell right and the the idea the foundation almost uh-oh, of, foundation uh oh of Evolutionary theory is the simpler it is, or the, or the smaller it is, right, rather, right. the simpler it should be. Right, so simple to complex. And that's being blown out of the water these days. Yeah, because everything's complex. We, 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 we look at this as a simple cell, right? Extremely complex. There's little mechanic, uh, mechanisms in there. Um, there's, like I said, even down to the neutron, proton, electron, super complex. Um, those, aren't, those aren't things that just uh, kind of happen, if you will. Right, and the... The way I've heard it too with uh, the, the DNA or the genome is that, and when we're talking about that, we're talking about the human uh, DNA. If you took a book, let's say it's a hundred-page book, okay, and gave it to somebody and said, "Look, look at the text. Look, look at the page numbers, uh, the pictures, and the headings, and everything that's in there." And I saw this video on Facebook. They ask, they go out on the street and ask people, right. "Do you think this could just just happen by chance?" And of course, everybody's like, "No way! A book can't make it make itself." Oh, right? really? It can't manifest itself. Interesting. And so they go on to explain, "Well, our DNA, and they're all yeah, it's our genetic code. It's, right? It's like a book." And I'm, it, I'm glad you said that, Matt. Real quick, I just want to right. quote a president, uh, Bill Clinton. I know uh, he might have yeah. some. Uh, uh, other interesting background, <laughs> interesting background. Correct. But when he was in the presidency, they were really getting into the human genome. And his quote is, we are learning the language in which God created life. Interesting. And for me, I think that's super interesting, but I don't want to interrupt. I know what you're going on, but I just found, I just find that extremely interesting. Well, and yeah, that's as, and I think I mentioned in our intro segment that evolutionists seem to be telling me Right. And everyone else out there, hey, look, us proving evolution for beyond a shadow of a doubt is just around the corner because of technology. Right. That we're discovering new things. Sure. What I see is we're discovering new things that blow evolution out of the water. Right. Um, and that's, that's any, any that, kind of a biogenesis theories. Yeah. And Ash, this isn't just us because we're Bible thumpers, so to speak. You and right. I have lived in the world. We, w- we, we weren't were always in secular school. Yeah, this we went the, to public schools. We we didn't always go to church, right. and and we're glad to. That's why we're so excited to be doing this now. Sure, uh, because you know we live the ways of the world, and I remember having specific conversation with you and some of our friends. What is if there is a God? What's he doing? What's what's this life all about? And but now as I look through um, the evidence, and I try to remove my own biases because we all have them sure um i'm i'm tired of being told that i'm not an intellectual for thinking that creationism is a valid right uh theory i guess you could say or or worldview for why why the world is the way it is why my life has life right and so i'm excited to be sharing this stuff with other people that might be going either one you know what, this evolution thing, even though they tell me it's fact, doesn't always jive. Right. Or two, 
I'm a Christian and I just don't know how to explain some of these topics to the people out there that are asking me why I believe in creationism. Right. You know, it's one thing to go to Genesis 1-1 and say, right in there, the yeah. in the beginning, God <laughs> sure. created the heavens and the earth. Sure. And don't, don't misunderstand me. That should be our foundation as Christians mm -hmm. is the Bible. But I think we have to appeal to intellectuals or others that are searching with other facts that haven't been brought up before. Right. Well, I'm glad you said that, Matt, because here's, here's a little quote from uh, Dr. Joe Francis. Um, he's at the Master's College. Uh, he says, science is a gift from God. He gave it to us so we can know more about him. And that kind of goes along with what uh, President Clinton was saying. You know, it's a language. Um, mm -hmm. He gave us not he not only did he give us science, but he gave us a mind to understand science. And there's no other animal on the planet that even comes close to our understanding of anything. In fact, it goes against evolutionary uh, thought processes, right? So we only use 10% of our brain. Why is our brain so big if we only use 10%? So we've de-evolved? Well, that, that's not how they say it, okay? So it's it's kind of a... I see what you're saying. It's, it's kind of a... a a catch twenty two. You know, now if you think about us in the um, in the evolutionary world, without our big brains, we're we're not in natural selection. We're not going to make it five days. We can't. We're not strong. We're not fast. We can't see. You know, we can't <laughs> hear. We we have all these different things yeah. that are are lacking, but yet we have these massive brains so that we can actually build a house, stay out of the rain, cook a you know cook under a fire. Uh, you know, right in, in the evolutionary thought process, if if man was around for millions of years before they even came up with fire. That doesn't really make sense. That doesn't jive. I mean, how, how can how can man be around for so long and, and all of a sudden invent fire? Right. That, I, that's ridiculous. Can you read your quote one more time about the language again? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Something about um, how... Bill Clinton, the one about Bill Clinton. Right. Yeah, yeah. He says, we are learning the language in which God created life. And he's talking about the... Uh, the, uh, the uh, the human genome right, or, or exactly. DNA. Right. So, yeah. So I found an article too, that was, it's called, it's at the conversation.com. It's arguments why God very probably could exist. And it talks about math right. and math, how it's, uh, it's a language, right? It's a language that we can understand. And it says here that, uh, Modern mathematics generally is formulated before any natural observations are made. Right. So math is a big part of science. Right. right? And and they work with probabilities. And I would like to get in the into probabilities sometimes okay. as well. Just the probability of the evolutionary theory uh, actually working. Right. Which and, I think I think it actually, Matt. I I just heard this. I think it actually is. One times ten to the to the one twentieth of, okay. of the the odds of actually that's a lot of that's zeros. That's hundred and twenty <laughs> zeros. Okay, there, there's only a hundred. There's only ten times uh, times to the eightieth power. Uh, one times ten to the eightieth power known uh, particles in the whole universe. Okay, so so right, uh, right. one one uh, one one. Uh, change here or there slightly in one of those zeros and, and it's this is a whole different deal yeah we're not here right we're not here so not 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 in the capacity that we are now this uh this article goes on to say the material world that we experience as part of our human existence is an imperfect reflection of these prior formal ideas which plato they talk about plato and some of his abstract ideas right okay so 
But mathematics, one scientist or physicist from MIT, Max Tegmark, okay. said in 2014 that mathematics is the fundamental world reality that drives the universe. Mm. As I would say, mathematics is operating in a godlike fashion. Right. And, you know, you know, Sean Pittman, who we're going to have on our next segment, uh, he's coming in from California. He actually says that all pretty much every physicist that he's ever met or ever known is someone that believes in intelligent designer. Okay. Biologists, you know, a lot of biologists don't, chemists don't, astronomers don't, but physics, physicists do because they understand the building blocks and how things are made. And at the end of the day, the, um, the, the intentionality of everything that we would see. You, would you say physics is at the foundation? It is the foundation. Boom, boom, <laughs> little, little name drop there. Uh, so, but you know, when you notice all this design, intentionality, and things, it's you, you can't just you can't just say, okay, this happened by chance, because it, it, it didn't happen by chance. There's no way that the intentionality that we see just in our Earth, our solar system, uh, the the animals, the plants, the cohabitation between certain animals right. that had to have popped up at the Precambrian uh, in, in Precambrian explosion immediately altogether. Well, and it had to get it right the first time. The first time, right? Exactly. To start life, right? Exactly. It had to get in the in the right scenario. Exactly. Sun, right distance. From oh, the Earth and by the way, the like sun is the, is the is the perfect color. If it was too blue or if it was too red, then then my photosynthesis couldn't take place. Interesting. Okay, I, I hadn't heard that. So before. yeah, absolutely. So it's it's a and and also the way our like I said earlier, the way our planet revolves around or orbits around the sun, we are we're a circular orbit. Right. Most planets are elliptical, which means they go out further and come back further. Okay? okay. So they're not a perfect circle. However, we're going perfectly around the sun. That seems weird. That yeah. seems weird. Why are we the only planet in the whole solar system? You know, so well, on the solar system uh, topic, I want to read something from Sir, Sir oh, Isaac Newton. Right. Um, so he's reading in his story. This is, this is a little uh, story about him and his atheistic scientist friend. Okay. Uh, his friend comes into a study and notices Newton uh, and his working scale model of the solar system. Yeah. And the friend turns to Newton and asks him, who made this? <laughs> and Newton's replied sarcastically, I assume, nobody. <laughs> and the reason why I say sarcastically is because after that, Newton goes on to say, look, you, you come in here and see this model that's been designed. You, you see that and you say right away, someone made that. Right. But on a much, 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 much grander scale, you look out at the, our solar system and, and say... this just happened by chance. Yeah. Hmm. Now, didn't you have a quote by Sir, Sir Isaac, Isaac Newton? Newton? Absolutely. Uh, he says, uh, this is on intelligent beings, he said, the most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and uh, comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent being. This being governs all things, not as the soul of the world, but as Lord overall. And I, I think that's pretty cool because someone who obviously didn't invent uh, uh, gravity, but how, however he discovered it and put it down on paper mathematically, right? Someone well, the that fact that, that we have brains to understand that, to understand right. relativity or gravity, these right. natural, what they call natural laws, right? which I hear that and I say, God put those laws. Well, of course, of course, absolutely. But, and and why? How do you get laws from chaos? That's what I right, exactly. don't understand from the evolutionary viewpoint. Is exactly there was chaos in the universe, and all of a sudden we have law. 
Right. Usually you never get law and order, so no. to speak, from chaos. <laughs> On NBC, yeah. <laughs> Toronto, at 10 o'clock. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. I'm, I'm with you 100%. And, you know, okay, so you also mentioned in that quote, uh, what was it? Do you still have it? I don't. I, what I what I brought was because I, I like that quote because I oh. what he was saying is you know that everything's governed by 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 God essentially. And there's a Lord, the Lord of everything, right? Or something exactly. like that. So that's what I was trying to remember because I I think when I doubted God most is when I was living life the way I wanted to live it. Sure. I remember specifically leaving home, leaving God, leaving church, and saying. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do my own thing. Right. That's right. And when I'm out there and I think other people want to do their own thing. Sure. They don't want to live by a moral standard or at least God's moral standards. Sure. And so they try to either uh, justify living a way that isn't um, in line with scripture. Right. Or they kind of tend to be maybe in limbo. Maybe they're kind of considered a religious person, but uh, as they say, a holiday Christian, you yeah. know, church. I, I was on that person for a long time. Christmas and Easter and that kind of thing. Sure. But they know normally uh, every day of their lives, the majority of the time they're living the way they want to live. Sure. And so this theory gives them another option to say, you know, you what? know what? Yeah. I'm Maybe with- I can just. Uh, be dog eat dog world in the workplace. Uh, I can just be a quote good person, right? You know, take care of my family, raise my kids, sure. or whatever. But maybe I can still do what I want to do. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you, hundred um, percent. I want to kind of get back to what you said about uh, all this order from chaos, right? So. Right. So if you, if you can just imagine with me for a second, and we're in this vast, we're in, we're in space, right? There's nothing out there but we're, what but this infinitesimal point that that explodes and and creates everything that we have in the in the in the known universe, right? So mm-hmm. so as it expands, right, from from an infinitesimal point, it should have gone out in what's called linear motion, right? So okay. everything should have gone out straight out, right, in all sides, okay? Northeast, southwest, right. but but linear. Exactly. Think of a a straight line horizon right. from or, from all directions, every direction, every even a, up and every down. degree of angle all the way around. Right, an explosion. An exactly. Explosion. Right, but what we don't from a center location, right, right. from okay. a little infinitesimal point, right? Gotcha. Boom. It's smaller than an atom. We don't know. Where okay. do we? We don't know. We don't know <laughs> what caused the explosion. We don't know that either. Okay. Uh, yeah, just, okay. Right on. So so, but what we have, what we do find is order. Okay, and so the law of conservation of angular momentum comes into play here, and it states everything in the universe is spinning: planets, stars, galaxies, etc. It would take an enormous amount of energy to start a planet spinning. Inertia. Uh, advocates of the Big Bang theory uh, propose that the singularity that blew up in the Big Bang was spinning before it exploded. Thus, everything within it was spinning as it flung out. However, some galaxies, planets, Venus, Uranus, and Pluto, and many moons are spinning backwards, which is called retrograde motion. Right, okay? right. Some moons even have a retrograde orbit around their planet. Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune so either have moons orbiting both directions. Either those planets, let's just take the planets first because okay. you, you mentioned moons too. Sure. Either of those planets were out there spinning all in the same direction. Right, and so they're saying something the had to, points were going one way. Something had to stop it. Stop it. And then it restart its engine, so to speak, right. and start turning backwards Question. the other way. Question. 
what stops a planet? If a planet is spinning, what stops a planet and puts it into the next motion? It, into seems, a, uh, it has motion? to be something super, super powerful. Right. And what would that be? We've never, we've never, ever uh, witnessed it, observed that. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an abstract thought. So one that, of those, the probability on that would be something that I would like to look into. What would, right, what would it have to take? So, well, I think, I think that kind of brings up me to my next, um, to my next quote. It's from, um, uh, Walter Russell. And he says, the cardinal error of science lies in shutting the creator out of his creation, right? So we have scientists always say, well, we have questions and we have, uh, we don't know what, um, we don't know how to answer this, that, this and the other thing, because they're leaving God out of the equation. And I think that's very important to understand because God, if he's the creator, then he gave us the ability to understand what he's saying. He's enlightened us. He's, um, He's given us the understanding to put things together and say, well, you know, God probably, so we don't know why. Okay. So if, let's, let's take the, let's take the solar system, our, our, our solar system, right? Right. With, uh, with, uh, our galaxy in our, our planets. Okay. We have, um, we have Mercury, we got Venus, we got Earth, we got Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, uh, Neptune, Uranus, Pluto, right? Some right. of you guys might argue Pluto's not a planet, but that's a stupid argument, whatever. Um, <laughs> So it's a dwarf planet, right? It's a dwarf planet. Excuse me. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's still orbiting the sun. Um, point being is God creates everything with a purpose, right? So what was the original purpose of these planets in our solar system? There's, there's a thought for you. Okay. And that's something that we really can't answer because we don't know anything about these other planets other than just a few little, um, things here or there. Right. right. Um, so I think, you know, when, when we talk about the creator God, the designer, um, he's, he's had to have had a purpose for putting Venus in retrograde motion, right? What was his purpose? We don't know. Maybe someday we'll get to ask him that. But those are just thoughts. Maybe it was just so we could think about these things. You know, absolutely. I think the Bible talks about look at the heavens. Yeah, the planets and, and Orion. And, and absolutely. They'll, they'll speak to us. Now, in Job, I think. Don't, it's don't think we're too crazy. I don't think the planets speak, literally. But, <laughs> but they. Like that math is a language that we discuss. Sure. I think the solar system speaks this. I remember no when I was starting to study the Bible again and go back to church, I looked at the moon and I go, man, how did I never, how did I look up at that and not, and it, I guess what I'm trying to say is take it for granted. I right. took, I took it for granted, this perfect circular, it looks perfectly circular from our perspective. Yeah. Of course there's craters and things like that on it, but um, and and uh, comp trying to comprehend that that just happened to stay there and, and it creates tides, low tides, high tides, things that we need here right? Um, to make this world work the way it does. Now, would you agree that Albert Einstein was kind of intelligent? Um, I'd say relatively, yes. Relatively? <laughs> so here's a quote from him. He okay. said, the most incomprehensible thing about the world right. is that it is comprehensible. Right. So if you were looking from these two different viewpoints that we're looking at, what would make this world comprehensible? What's the most logical? We're told in academia, mainline, mainstream academia, that it happened by chance. Right. Which... All this came from random selection, chance. 
a big bang. Or from a different standpoint, there was someone, a holy supernatural being, God, that had all the information already. Right. And the intelligence to Apply design it. it. Right. At, you, and make it comprehensible. You, you brought up a cool point about the about the the uh, the solar system and the stars and all these things. Uh, in Job thirty eight thirty one, it says, "Can you bind the cluster of the Pleiades or loose the belt of Orion?" And so, so a couple of things that we know about That's the Pleiades, cool. right? That's very cool. Is that it's a it's a it's what's called a bound cluster. Okay, and right. what's really cool about that is these stars in that cluster have the same force working against each other gravitational and pull so that so that they don't go anywhere okay so when we look up there we see the pleiades that 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 uh, star system there they don't move away from each other because they are perfectly uh balanced set there yeah they're they're balanced by the by the same gravitational pull whatever what have you like a like a like an atom right with your, so with again, your proton your neutron your electron right? again something perfectly or balanced. or some some being right, so stopped it there. Right, exactly. So we see create, we see, uh, we see not chaos. We don't. We we see we see order. And then so if we look at Orion, we see Orion's belt, right? And those three stars, those are actually he says he says uh, uh, or loose the belt of Orion. Well, those stars we know are fleeting away from each other at at breathtaking speed. Okay, like a loosening of a belt. That's, right, exactly. That's very cool. And so and so in Job, which I was thought the, the Bible wasn't scientific. No, though. not at all. Never has been. Uh, uh, so what's neat is though, but that's Job been proven oldest, true though, right, right? right? This is this is this is the oldest in book in the Bible, the right. oldest book in the Bible, right? Talking about the Piatas and o Orion, okay? And God was saying it according right. to Job, right? Exactly. Awesome. So so you know, when we get the technology, uh, what four thousand years later, three thousand years later, right. and we find out that that's actually really truly happening, mm -hmm. um, that verifies to me that this book, the Bible. Wasn't just there's something to it, right? There wasn't just thought up from from man's, uh, you know, well, sinful nature. And in closing, Ash, I want to share some foundational texts, very good, very from good. the Bible. And then you're going to talk a little bit about Sean Pittman, yeah, here. Yeah, and absolutely. so uh, that'll be our guest on the next. Yeah, segment. we're looking forward to that a lot. So in Job 38 4, mm -hmm. uh, oh, God, the same chapter, yeah, very good, very good. God asks Job, "Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth?" Declare if you have understanding. And so our discussions, any anyone out there, scientists, no matter how intelligent they may seem, right. nobody was there <laughs> no. when it took place. No. Well, what's God's answer? Well, in Hebrews 1.10, uh, we're told that you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Wow. Okay, so awesome. as we move forward in our conversations and Look at the the foundations of the earth, right? Or at the heavens right. and these things. Um, I I think we're going to see God's handiwork. No doubt, no doubt. All right, Ash, tell us about Sean Pittman here. Um, what do you know about him? So, Matt, actually, you you uh, turned me on to Sean about four years ago uh, with uh, David Ashrick, who's a, a Seventh Day Adventist pastor. Mm -hmm. um, you sent me a video, right? And uh, I was uh, he. You knew that I was a kind of a science minded guy, and 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 uh, it piqued my interest. Right, four years ago, really cool. Right. And so, uh, after watching many of his videos, um, we we decided to reach out to him and just just uh, kind of. <laughs> kind of almost kiddingly uh, invite him here to Kansas city to, to speak. And yeah, he, hey. he accepted, uh, you know, no questions asked. That's awesome. And uh, it was really cool. And uh, 
So he, he resides in California now. Right, Redding, California. Um, he is a, a pathologist. And uh, for, for those who don't know, so it's basically that works. He works with blood. Um, and he's a very. Uh, oh, he went to medical school at Loma Linda. That's where I was born. Oh, Loma really? Linda okay. uh, Hospital. Very good. Well, well, I I didn't know that. I I didn't even know that. That's cool. So, what's his interest in evolution? Where's that come from? Well, I think uh, you know, everybody has that kind of pulling. You know, where where do our origins start? Where you know, where did we come from? Um, you know, his interest is in basic concepts of biblical creation and, and Darwinian evolution. Started in an early childhood with him because it, just like you and I. We want to know where we came from. And a lot of right. his education is, is through the Adventist school system. But he was in the United States Army. Uh, they, they put him through uh, through school so he could get his uh, so he could be a doctor. Right. And um, so he's done tons of research in um, uh, paleontology, geology, uh, chemistry, biology. And it says, you know, something that challenged him was people started asking, what are you going to be? And he said, a scientist. And they would be like, right. Well, how's that jive with the Bible? Right. And it's so funny. he it's funny you say that. He started wanting to figure that out for himself, right? Funny you say that. So I'm, I was talking to this girl who I met, and uh, uh, she said, "What are you doing this weekend?" I said, "Well, I'm going to pick up a scientist uh, from California at the at the air, airport today, mm-hmm. and and uh, he's coming to my church to do give a seminar." And she says, "A scientist?" Yeah. She <laughs> says, "Well, what's a scientist doing in a church?" And I said, that, "That's a that's kind of a broad stroke. You you don't think Christians can be scientists?" And she says, uh, "She's like, well, none of my scientist friends are Christians." And I said, "Well, that's that's too bad. Uh, I think they're mm-hmm. kind of missing the point." And so. It's, that it's also funny. says something unfortunate about, about society, science, uh, and academia too. It, right. it, it encourages non-belief. Right. I I understand some people say, "Well, we look at the facts." And right. But when your facts they, are skewed, or your facts are based on assumptions, uh, like radiometric dating, uranium dating, those those are all based on assumptions. Right. So um, you know. Well, it says here that too that with some fear and trepidation, he decided to study the question of in detail of Darwinian evolution compared to a, a creationistic view. So that's, I think, what we want to encourage our listeners, Ash. Again, maybe you're a Christian, but you're you're a little shy about sharing what you believe about creationism because you don't have all the answers. Right. Or maybe you're an atheist and all you've ever heard is evolution, and but you're open-minded to some other points of view. And so please keep listening to us next time. We will have someone way more educated than us and, and <laughs> we're looking forward uh, to it. and more interesting and Sean Pittman. And so check us out next time.